When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Uplifting Impact podcast. I'm Justin Ponder, Chief Information Officer with Uplifting Impact, and I'm excited to be hosting you today as we dive deeper into our journey to make the world more diverse, equitable, and inclusive. Today, I'm excited to be talking with Lauren Tucker. Dr. Lauren Tucker combines her extensive experience in DEI, data science, and relationship marketing to help clients build inclusive, positive employee relationships in a multicultural, transcultural and global world. Frustrated with the myopic and transactional approaches to legacy DEI and talent management programs, Dr. Tucker designed Do What Matters to put inclusion first by addressing the operational inefficiencies and broken communications that turn off great talent, especially women, people of color, LGBTQ+, and those with disability. Lauren, welcome to our show. Thank you for having me. I'm excited about this. So, a quick icebreaker. What's the last book or podcast or any other form of media you've enjoyed and would recommend to all of us? To move to Spain. And in my my desire to finally learn this language I've been studying for decades now, um, I am actually reading a book that I read once a year in English. I'm now reading in Spanish. And it's called The Phantom Toll Booth. And it's actually a, a young adult novel, right? Uh, about a young boy named Milo who thinks that there's no point in learning anything anymore, who's bored, etc. And, and ultimately through the journey that he takes through the Phantom Toll Booth uh, into the world of knowledge, he, he really learns to appreciate why we have to always be expanding our minds and searching for excellence. And so um, I'm reading that in Spanish. It's uh, going pretty slowly, but I, I recommend <laughs> it. <laughs> it's going pretty slowly, but at least I know the story. Uh, but I do recommend it to all of my clients. And they've, you know, many of them have bought the books for their talent force because it does have some enduring and powerful lessons for us all as you know throughout our lives and it's it's more than just for young adults and 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 middle-aged school kids it's really a powerful and fun read and i like the way you were saying about the lessons about expanding your mind and then obviously you're reading it in another language really expanding your mind and stepping out of these kind of cognitive grooves we get in our regular patterns is that somehow related to the genesis behind and the inspiration for starting Do What Matters? What is the relationship between your love of learning more and expanding your mind and starting Do What Matters? Well, you know, what's interesting is I never expected to be, quote unquote, in this business. I, I loved advertising. I loved being a, a chief strategy officer. But I realized through my own experiences and my experiences as a college professor and my experiences as an employee 
that the heart of so much that I believed was due to the, the treatment that I received was due to my being a woman or being African-American was really just talent abuse. Right. And it is easy for those of us who are on the margins, what we'll typically do when we are experiencing marginalization, Yes, we look towards the narrowness of our experience and say, well, it's because I'm black or it's because I'm a woman or it's because I'm LGBTQ, et cetera. And I realized this is just taking on an additional burden that we don't need when really what I have seen, the closer I've and not only been to the C-suite, I've been in the C-suite as a chief strategy officer. And then I've had insights because I always work with the C-suite with Do What Matters to make them accountable. And what I have encountered is a substantial leadership arrogance combined with managerial incompetency that has led to talent abuse across the board. I have and it's often in the name of efficiency, like, oh, this is how we get things done. Well, it's in the name of efficiency or it's also yeah. because of cronyism and nepotism, mm. right? And I have had white men of all ages reach out to me in direct messaging on LinkedIn or they found my, my email and they have told me their stories that sound really strangely similar to the stories of people on the margins. They may not be affected as acutely, but at the end of the day, what everybody wants is to feel safe, valued, heard, and productive. And that's what the entire talent force wants. White men may not necessarily be subject to all the egregious issues that we certainly feel when we're on the margins. But they feel enough of it. They realize yeah. when they're left out because they're in the wrong departments or they're not in, not graduated, they haven't graduated from the right schools. Or, or don't play golf they, with the right people. They, right. They don't play golf with the right people. They understand um, a certain amount of marginalization uh, of being the outs- on the outside looking in. And what they really, what they really understand, and I think this is too with these younger generations, these white men know that they can no longer get ahead on the basis of who they know. They can't get ahead on the basis of merely having white skin and they don't want to. They want to make their way based on performance, based on excellence. And when they see themselves being shut out by people who are mediocre, but have the right connections um, and have the power in the organization, they're not happy either. They realize that excellence is the only way to beat this. And and excellence is often the biggest threat to the mediocrity of leadership, arrogance, and managerial incompetency. So when I started Do What Matters, it really focused on a mindset shift that we all must take this mindset shift 
to realize that the systems, the inefficient systems and operations don't just hurt people who are traditionally on the margins. They hurt everyone. And diversity first without inclusion hurts everyone. Yep. It inspires the backlash and then it doesn't get to the systems. So what would you say are some yep. of the major systems of inefficiencies as you cause them, call them like these operations that cause mediocrity to thrive and excellence to be suspicious? Well, one of our priorities is, is just the ruinous way that we manage talent. Mm-hmm. You know, when I was starting out at Leo Burnett in, in the late 80s, you know, we started with a cohort of early career people right out of grad school, right out of, of undergrad. And I remember the managing director in the company of all of the other directors and executives saying to my cohort, we want you all to know we give you enough, you know, that we pride ourselves in giving you enough rope to hang yourself. Now, you can ignore, you know, you, you can get outraged. If you're outraged by the lynching and suicide references, yeah. uh, you should be. That's good. Unfortunately, at that time, none of us even thought about it. Good. What you should be outraged by is the abdication of responsibility of executive management to help early career people successfully navigate the challenges of opportunity. And we should have all been horrified by that. I look back on that and I realize I was no, I wasn't outraged. None of my friends were out. We were lapping it up. And that's because we were all raised by wolves. We were raised by and wolves. And it feels like, oh, we're in a tenacious yeah. environment. I'm surely oh, yeah. excelling and reaching my full yeah. potential because I'm in the Coliseum with the other gladiators. Oh, yeah, exactly. So we were all raised by wolves. But if you think that legacy has died, it has not. Uh, just about a, a few months ago, a worried mom who, but she was proud, but worried that her daughter started one of the big uh, global consulting firms. And again, they hire in cohorts of around 100. The managing director at the, their onboarding event uh, stood up and said, look around you because 80, 80% of you won't be here by the end of the year. Hmm. And, you know, the mother was saying my daughter was terrified because she'd worked so hard to get here only to be, you know, worried that she might be one of the 80%. And I told the mother, I said, all I heard was we're so arrogant that we do not see how incompetent we are either at hiring people or managing or them. them. <laughs> right? Why would you pride yourself on losing 80%? It was a, exactly. It was, a, it was a bold brag on how incompetent they were. And so <laughs> either you know, they're not hiring appropriately or they're not managing people. So what would you say to people in those situations who are like that? Not necessarily the leaders, but the people, especially people from underrepresented groups or anyone who's in this really tenacious environment that prides itself on its ferocity. What tips would you give them for kind of the micro behaviors, the self-advocacy when they can't necessarily wait around for their leaders to humble themselves well, enough to love their talent? First of all, don't model yourself after these clowns. I mean, that's the thing that I think I've got to 
stop that, right? That's the chain that has to be broken because what we're seeing is the next generation trying to figure out, do I model myself after these guys? Is this, does, is this what success looks like? And I would say, no, it doesn't look like. That's not how success will look like in the 21st century when we're not managing wolves, we are managing humans. And the 21st century, if you're going to be successful at leading companies, you're going to need to understand how to manage humans. Because despite all of what we talk about, AI and technology and robotics and so forth and so on, at the end of the day, really those technologies have created conditions under which human capabilities are more important than ever before. And we're in a knowledge, creativity, innovation, and service-driven economy that requires uniquely human capabilities to succeed, to compete effectively in a multicultural and global world. So I would say to these folks, break the chain. Learn as much as you can about managing humans. Whether you get online, you know, we're getting ready to, to, we're developing some online courses. Part of the sabbatical that I'm taking is to develop our courses so that individuals can download them and learn how to manage talent. Our, our biggest area of offering is talent relationship management, workbooks, playbooks, tools. So you can learn how to manage people effectively. And here's the last thing I would tell these folks. At the end of the day, people don't leave companies, they leave managers. Absolutely. And managers who have not learned how to manage humans because their leadership have not modeled that behavior, you're the ones who end up holding the bag. If you do not want to be holding the bag, if you do not want this to affect your trajectory, it is time for you to learn how to manage humans for the 21st century and learn everything you can and do not model yourself well, thank you for that. And I think that's a great place to wrap things because I like also that you mentioned future resources and things that you're working on. And if our listeners want to learn more from you and be in contact with you and hopefully get those new learnings when you start developing them during this great sabbatical, how can they get in contact? Well, definitely go to letsdoitmatters.com. That's our website. Our services page uh, has all of our, our, our offerings all of our you know, descriptions of, of the playbooks and the tools. We also have a resources page that's open to anyone who just shares their email address with us uh, that will just give you, if you're looking for diverse hiring, uh, you know, experts that are rec- you know, diverse recruiters, if you're looking for other resources, we, tr- we try to update that page as much as possible. We're also putting a lot on our LinkedIn page. We're, we're actually using that as kind of our, our blogging page, et cetera, but we're, we're going to create a blog on our, on our website, but we kind of want to be in the center of a professional activity. And for us, LinkedIn is that. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much, Dr. Lauren Tucker for joining us. Absolutely. Thanks for inviting me. My pleasure. And thank you to all of you listening out there. We're glad you tuned into this week's episode of the Uplifting Impact podcast. We need more people like you to help us uplift the impact. In order to do so, be sure to share this episode, comment on it by going to our website at upliftingimpact.com or provide your thoughts directly to us through LinkedIn at Uplifting Impact, Justin Ponder and Ignis. Until next week, keep uplifting the impact. 
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.